This episode is brought to you by Rhino Skin Solutions, my go-to when it comes to taking care of my skin. I have been using repair cream like crazy here in Waco Tanks the past week. I have a crimpy project I've been trying and applying repair cream several times in the evenings has been critical to help heal my skin faster so I can stay on my schedule and go hard again the next climbing day. If you want to check out the repair cream and Rhino's other great products, head over to rhinoskinsolutions.com and enter code NUGGET at checkout for 20% off your next order. That's rhinoskinsolutions.com. Use code NUGGET, all caps, at checkout for 20% off and start taking better care of your precious skin today. This episode is also brought to you by... My patrons, I've been using Patreon for over a year now, and at this point, we have close to 600 patrons who are supporting the show each month, which is amazing. Thank you all so much for doing that. And Patreon really provides the vast majority of my income and allows me to keep doing the podcast. It's really the foundation of the financial support I'm getting for the podcast. So if you want to help out, head over to patreon.com slash the nugget climbing. There's a link right there in your podcast app and you can sign up for $5 per month. Think of it as buying me a beer at the end of a great episode once a month. You get a bunch of different perks at that $5 tier. First off, you get ad-free episodes, so you can skip ads like this one. You'll also get access to follow-up conversations. I've had close to 30 follow-up conversations with past guests on the podcast, and I release those episodes uncut for patrons to listen to. You'll have access to all of them and can listen anytime as long as you are a patron. You'll also get a sneak peek at who's coming up on the show so you can submit questions and have your questions featured on the podcast. And once again, it's really just a great way to support the regular podcast. Every dollar truly helps and you can cancel at any time. No questions asked, no hard feelings. If you support for a while and then realize that you need to spend your money elsewhere or save money for your own van, for your own climbing trip, I totally love that. I support that. And I'm just grateful to have whatever support you can give. Once again, it's patreon.com slash the nugget climbing. There's a link right there in your podcast app to sign up. It just takes a few minutes and I really appreciate it. Hello, friends, and welcome to another episode of the Nugget Climbing Podcast. This is Stephen Dimmitt. And my guest today is Nina Caprez. Nina is a professional climber from Switzerland, and she is one of the best traveled professional climbers I can think of. If you've ever watched the Petzl Rock Trip videos, she's featured in many of those. She's climbed all around the world, and she's really known for many very impressive, hard, multi-pitch free climb ascents. Nina was the first female to climb Silbergeier, a very famous and notoriously difficult AB plus or 514A multi-pitch route in the Radicon in the Swiss Alps. She's also climbed the north face of the Eiger. She was part of a team that did the first ascent of the hardest route on the north face of the Eiger. She's sport climbed up to 8C plus or 514C with a route called Helix that we talked about in this conversation. The list goes on and on. She's got a very impressive track record. And 
This was a really fun conversation. I caught Nina at a very interesting time in her life. She's at the start of a brand new chapter that's very different from what she's been doing for the last decade or so as a professional climber. And she just sounds happy. It was really cool to hear the story of trying to free climb the nose with Lynn Hill and failing on that climb and how that brought about this transition. It was a story of failure and vulnerability, and it was actually really inspiring and really beautiful, if that makes any sense. You'll hear that in the interview. We talked about what Nina's up to now. She's got a new passion project that she's doing with her boyfriend. They built a climbing wall on the side of a truck. They built out a truck to live in, built a climbing wall on the side of it, and they have been traveling around to refugee camps and other impoverished areas and introducing climbing to people in need and bringing the joy of climbing to these refugee camps in Eastern Europe and in the Middle East, Romania, Lebanon, Greece, etc. So really cool to hear about that. You can learn more about it by following at Andrea Basecamp on Instagram. I'll link to that in the show notes. But yeah, Nina's always been an adventurer and she is off on a new and very different and very interesting adventure that was really fun to hear about. We also talked about how Nina has always felt like a Swiss machine and that's been part of her reputation. And we talked about how she has softened and how she's leaning into other parts of being a woman and really thriving in that. And that was really interesting as well. We talked about some of her proudest climbing accomplishments and she shared some thoughts on how she prepares for a big wall. And towards the end of this conversation, Nina shared some very exciting news and it was timely. We actually recorded this in November and there's a reason I held on to it and waited two months to publish it. That'll all make sense at the end of the episode. And with that little teaser to pique your interest, we'll dive into the episode. Please enjoy this very rich and very beautiful and very fun conversation with Swiss rock climber, Nina Caprez. Hello. Hi. Hey. Nina, how are wow, you? we made it. <laughs> <laughs> I had the same thought. We finally made it happen. Very good. So I have to tell you, all my friends outdoors making a huge fire. Oh. And it's perfect. So I can just wait that the fire's going down, to <laughs> start the barbecue and stuff. So it's perfect timing. Okay, good. Okay, good. I'm, I was hoping I wasn't keeping you from anything. No, I mean, you know, I'm kind of on a trip, so it could be good any time, but at the same time, not really. So, <laughs> well, good. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to start with, uh, with our conversations over the last couple months. And I want to ask you where you are in the world, because you more than just about anybody, that's a very fair question to ask at any given time. And I first reached out to you back in September. So you and I are talking on November 10th and we reached out, I reached out over two months ago. And you told me that you had just had a great day climbing in the Radicon, which for people listening is in the Swiss Alps. Um, I know you grew up near there and that's a special place for you. And then you said you were about to start a three-month trip to Eastern Europe. Mm -hmm. And then I checked in with you a month ago and you were in Greece doing some work for Petzl. Mm -hmm. And uh, 
you're just always traveling, always going new places. Every time you pop up on Instagram, it seems like you're in a different country. So where are you in the world, Nina Caprez? So now I am in Greece, in Poloponese. It's like southern Greece, in Kiparisi. Okay. But actually, it's not true. I'm not traveling all the time. I haven't traveling for more than two years. And so that was really exciting to plan and to finally start this like three months trip. And actually, it'll be four, to be honest. But yeah, I mean, it's it's actually, I missed it a lot, like being on the road. And we're here with a truck and uh, traveling very slowly. And this is actually exactly the, the, the way I love to travel. Mm. Like it fits me so well. We spent every day outdoors and life is very simple and very rich though because we have different projects and so it makes it really rich. Mm. When you say your favorite way to travel, you mean taking your time, spending more time in each place and getting to know the places? Yep. Yep. Yeah. I mean, good, the good thing is like with the truck, it's like a really heavy vehicle. So we don't drive like with it, oh. basically. We go from point one to B and then once we're at our like destination, we just set up a camp and we drive with like e-bikes and like we hitchhike or we car share with like other people or whatever, you know, it's just really easy. And this actually really forces you to open up and to, um, yeah, just to connect with people and to connect with the community. And, um, yeah, this is really what I like. It's the best life. Like you really deep dive into like the, the local, uh, life when you're in a place. Mm. Can you paint the scene for us where you are right now? What is it like there in Greece? It's I can see it's <laughs> so dark outside I'm, now where you are. It is. I'm looking out of the window and there's a fire going on. <laughs> it's uh, maybe like 30 meters, like 50 meters from the sea. So there's a beautiful beach. And behind I can see some lights of the small, small fisher town, uh, Kiparisi. And that's it. It's dark. And there's some music out there and, you know, just... We're a bunch of climbers here at the spot and we just made a, a fire tonight. You're sitting in your, tr in your truck right now? Yes, I'm sitting in my truck. Exactly. <laughs> nice. That sounds amazing. That sounds amazing. So the last yeah. two years, that's been a change of pace with COVID, I assume. Um, yeah, I mean, it has been a changing pace. But um, even before that, I changed a little bit my way of traveling. Because I got a little bit stuck in like um, the performance traveling, let's say. And uh, I had the impression that my view or my, you know, like my field was a little bit um, narrow because there was the, a route or there was a wall or there was a mountain, but it wasn't so much um, about like really exploring or like being open. And I met many, many, many climbers. This is always great. But uh, not that so much like the really like the, like a community, like just like local people. Mm -hmm. And so um, I really, I was really missing that because when I was younger, I almost only did like adventure traveling, you know, I was like with my sister, we went like six weeks to Mexico, just like hitchhiking with our backpacks and some climbing gear. And I remember a really cool trip to Argentina for like six weeks. And yeah, so we did many like adventure stuff. But then I don't know, maybe it's also because uh, in the times of the of today, we're more and more connected. So it it really took up off some of the um, adventure, you know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm happy that I, I had this like pause and uh, I just started doing some 
things differently. Yeah, trying to find a better balance again of adventure versus just focusing mm-hmm. on performance. Mm-hmm. And not like faked adventuring, you know, like everyone <laughs> today on social media is like an adventurer because they're <laughs> like one day outdoors or whatever. But it's right. not like, to me, the sense of adventure is really like traveling around with like a mind and heart wide open and to agree or to accept that there can be so many, um, uh, how do you say, unexpected things going on or things they they slows you down like really slows you down and uh that yeah that you just have to be in the flow and uh, not to force too much and mm-hmm. really interesting i love that i love that um can you describe the climbing where you are what are you uh what kind of adventure are you having day to day in greece um so at this spot we arrived like two days ago so today I just had my solo day, uh, the first since months and months and months and months. And I really enjoyed it. I was just on myself, on my own, enjoying like life here, just like swimming and reading books and like chatting with like friends and stuff. Um, the climbing here is basically like like five-star Tufa climbing. So we can go there by bike. So that yesterday I we uh, biked up to uh, a cliff with my friend and it's mostly really beautiful you know this orange or gray uh, limestone tufa walls uh, really pretty really really pretty wow. and before that uh wow it was wow it was a lot going on so before that we had an entire week of uh, of andrea project like it, we travel the truck with a climbing wall on it or basically like a boulder wall. And our goal is really to bring climbing to people that are less, less fortunate than we are. And so we had a one-week program with two different um, refugee camps. One is in Athens and one was in a nearby city called Corinth. So that was heavy. But at the same time, it is uh, so beautiful. Like, mm. Yeah. I mean, we are so, so spoiled in our life and like so gifted. And then it's, it's pretty tough to, to see like their lives and, uh, and to dive into their lives. But then at the same time, we had like then the climbing, you know, and as you know, like the joy of climbing, I think is the same for everyone, no matter who you are or where you come from or, you know, your past or your future. Mm. So that was like so, so rewarding. Just like having like two days, like fully like bouldering on the wall, like, you know, like all those refugees, they were trying like hell and like, you know, like <laughs> trying a problem for like 30 times and at the last try he did it. And it's just like this really good uh, climbing vibes with like music and like people dancing. And uh, we had an artist also on board. She, she, had, she did some really beautiful arts with all the people there. Before that, we had like a one rock, day uh, rock climbing with another refugee camp. That was also, oh my God, one of the, I think it was one of the best days of, of our trip. Wow. Yeah. Have these people ever climbed before? No, like not. Like, no, it's not true. So the first group we had uh, in, uh, in Athens, they are unaccompanied minors. Um, and so an organization, an association called Climbate, they do like a six month program, taking the refugees to, uh, twice a week to a climbing gym. Where are these refugees from? Wow. Everywhere. Okay. Like Greece is really the, 
die, die in how did you the entrance to Europe. Mm. So mm. mostly right now, mostly people come from uh, Afghanistan. Mm. They really had to hide the. Uh, to go away from the Taliban's, it's pretty dramatic mm -hmm. there. Yeah. Uh, but then you have uh, many people uh, from Pakistan, like Kurdish people, many people from Iran. Um, but then you also have here in Greece many people from Africa. So really, like all, all over, all over, and they try to reach Greece by any kind of ways, and it's pretty dramatic. And um, yeah, then they're here and they're waiting. They're doing like a, uh, an apply to have like the refugee uh, refugee um, stamp. Mm. And often it takes like two years. So in those two years, they're just like nobody in oh, the nowhere. Wow. You know, nobody wow. wants them. And they're just here and they have like nothing. They have like no passport or nothing. They're just, they're waiting for for stamp to be refugee. Wow. Just stuck in limbo. Yep. And then most of them, they try to reach uh, Germany because they, uh, everyone has hoped that in Germany there's like jobs and there's a future. So <laughs> I gave my first German lesson here. That was fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, really like all over, but mostly like almost like 70 or 80% are from Afghanistan right now. Mm. But of course, there's also many, many Syrian people from Syrian, Syria, sorry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I was going to ask you this later. How many languages do you speak? Currently three. If you count Swiss German as a, as a language, it's four. Swiss German. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So Swiss German, German, English, and French. Okay. How did you connect with Steve McClure? I know you ran into him recently on this trip. I, I want to ask a question from him, but I'll let you. Exactly. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. So the thing is, like Steve and I met him, we had a pestle meeting, team meeting also here in Greece at a, at a little island north of Athens. And so, yeah, he was there. That was cool. So we had to <laughs> work to do like for pestle for about two weeks. But before those two weeks with my boyfriend, we were here and on the truck for 10 days, just enjoying the vacations a little bit. Mm-hmm. Because before that, we had also like a really beautiful, beautiful project going on in Romania. Mm. Mm -hmm. yeah. You and your boyfriend? Yeah. So uh, with this, uh, like I called it, like with this truck, which uh, name is Andrea. So we had in Romania, we had the chance to team up with uh, a couple. He's from Brazil and she's from uh, Canada. They have three kids. They are, he's a pastor and they left, uh, they were there for a mission. They, they settled in, down in Romania like eight years ago. And in 2014, actually, when we did the Pets Rock trip um, in Romania, I actually warmed up in his crook draw. And that was so inspiring to him that he was like, oh shit, I should do like a climbing, like a boulder gym here. here. Mm. And then um, he, um, he really wanted to bring climbing to like a particular place in Romania, like there's this, um, there's a valley, uh, which was, uh, a valley full of mining, like the mines where they got, the um, oh God, how do you say this? Carp, not carps, you know, the black thing. Oh, what is it? In coal. English? Yeah. To make electricity. Yeah. Coal. Yeah. 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 
And uh, then, like, there was the resolution, revolution and, like, the, you know, the end of a big area of communism. And so today of, like, the 52 mines, that's only the two intact. So people there are just, like, they don't do anything anymore. Like, there's, wow. like, there's just, like, no jobs. There's, like, no future. It's one of the poorest valleys of the entire Romania. And there's, in particular, there's, like, a part of one, one town called Vulcan. And they have a, like a ghetto there. It's called Dallas. So it's really up on a hill, like this enormous like uh, buildings from the communists and like so shitty buildings. And the people they did, it's really miserable. Like they, mostly of them, they have like no water, no heat. Like in winter, they buy like secondhand clothes. Uh, so they burn the clothes to, to heat their apartments. Wow. And it's pretty dramatic. And so that guy, he was able, in the middle of that place, he built the climbing gym. <laughs> and so from the age of six to 18, you can join a gym. There's like one condition that the parents, they have to agree and that you have to go to school. You insist that the kids, they go to school. And so it all started. And uh, today he accompanied like, there's like 150 kids and like adults, like young people like climbing. And so... It was actually perchance that he reached out to us. And we started actually with a little bit another project in Romania, which is kind of weird, but long story. He reached out and we we're like, okay, that's a good thing to do. So we drove to Dallas and spent 10 days in, <laughs> we parked in the middle of the ghetto and we're just surrounded by people living there. You know, it was like, even in films, if you see, if you watch that, you'll be like, I will never, would never live in those kind of that department, you know? Yeah. of a city and it was wonderful it was one of the most beautiful like 10 days i spent in my life like so weird so controversial um so um authentic um we they barely spoke english so the communication was really you know like really like coming from the heart it was really touching we went bouldering, of course, in the gym. We did some root setting. We went rock climbing. There's a really remote place where we camped for like three days and some of the kids stayed with us. And then at the really end of our trip, we made a competition in the middle there of the ghetto and there was like 70 kids participating. You know, <laughs> it was so powerful. Wow. Yeah. So that was, holy shit. That was, that was <laughs> Yeah, really touching. That's, yeah. that's incredible. Where did the idea for this project come from? Is this something that you and your boyfriend came up with? Or is this a pencil um, thing? Where, where, did, where did it no, start? No, not at all. No, no, not at all. Yeah. So two years ago, I think maybe, yeah, exactly two years ago, almost. I, uh, I had a little bit, I wouldn't say like a breakdown, but I was really exhausted. Um, I tried the nose to free the nose for like two years and... It did not work out. I was super mm. close, but I burned a little bit like uh, my, I went a little bit over my limits. I went a little bit too crazy and too stuck in like a, that performance. And I came back home and I was so exhausted. And at that time I met uh, my actual boyfriend, Jeremy. And uh, I, I knew like already before I knew that I really wanted to change something in my life. I felt a little bit lonely. I felt a little bit that my life became pretty repetitive um, that are, I was really attached to performance and to 
to this image that people had of me and myself, just like being this Swiss machine, like super strong and like always never tired. I really liked it, but at the same time, it started to be really heavy. Mm. Like I really felt that it wasn't actually me anymore. It was more just like a, maybe like I wanted to prove something or I don't want to give up this like beautiful image. And then, you know, COVID arrived and that was just the most wonderful thing that happened in my life. Wow. I, yeah. <laughs> How about that? Really. <laughs> I stopped traveling. I stopped being attached and like performance. I, I really put much of energy and time in uh, building up a relationship. Before that, it was just like, to me, it was just a waste of time. Oh, come on, you slow me down or you take your time, you know, move on. Yeah. That was so good. That was so good. But then when time, when then in summer, times got a little bit back to normal. And um, yeah, with Jeremy, we just had a really serious discussion and he's a photographer and he's also fully like, you know, he, he made a really good career. And we just realized that if either our ways, if we continue with We'll just split up because there's like no time to, mm. you know, no common time. Or we create a beautiful project together. Mm. And he was pushing really hard at the beginning. And I was more afraid to give up my life, my the things I was used to do. And then we had this idea of like traveling differently. Our actual initial dream actually was to travel to Pakistan by van, you know, just to be able to spend uh, lots of time there. And then I was really reflecting on my career more and uh, I was ready to give up or to make compromises because also I felt that um, I was ready for, you know, bringing my climbing to a next level. And so I felt like we should do a climbing wall, you know, but not just like this stupid climbing wall where like some kids will play around and, you know, or hangboard for you so you can train i mean i never hangboard or whatever so that was really the last thought we had but really doing something similar than the as i told you like climb bait this like association of Switzerland, they built a truck like it's a, like a fixed boulder on a truck and he took that truck to lebanon and since like five years and they bringing climbing to people with that truck in refugee camps. And I'm the godmother of that project. And two times I had the opportunity to join them in Lebanon and to really to experience that uh, with the refugees there. And it was actually really, really powerful. So that was definitely a thing I was inspired from. Um, Jeremy is not a climber, but he really liked uh, the lifestyle which, which comes with. He really likes to... He grew up in the mountains, so he really likes to to spend time outdoors. And so it just all came like, I don't know, step by step. We, we knew that we wanted to have like a vehicle, which is all manual, so we can fix it everywhere on that earth. More east, the better it is. <laughs> and also it had to be a truck which was solid enough to fix a climbing wall and to tr transport a climbing wall. So then I don't know about chance and by connections we found the truck in Switzerland is Unimog and um, so without li driving license you know we're just like okay let's do it let's buy this truck <laughs> so Jeremy's daughter had to pick it up in Switzerland and we drove it back to our home and I remember like we we're just sitting in a parking watching that vehicle I was like holy shit and now 
So because we had no tools, we had no idea where to go, what to do actually with this project. And we were just like hanging in the air. But then people reached out to us. Like we met per chance, like a carpenter who's actually here with us right now, who has a beautiful carpentry in a, in a town uh, close down. So he offered to give us a, a room, like space to, to work on a truck. Then our ex-roommate, he is also like a wood constructor. So he offered to do all the inside, all the furniture, all the wood stuff. And then we hired a really good friend who is doing the stealing, uh, steel, steel work. Another good friend, he's like a, a retired, but he was mechanics in. So he remodeled with us like the front cabin. It was full of like rust and stuff. And it was just like, so the travel then started because every time we spent like at least a month at someone's place. And we were fully gypsies there, like fully living outdoors and fully living with like at that place. And uh, so it really, really the travel that started there. Yeah. And the masterpiece was, was at the really end. We, um, we had help from Entreprise and Petzl to, uh, to do the conception of the climbing wall. And they actually paid the climbing wall. Oh, wow. And so, yeah, we fixed that uh, we set it up first time together with the people from Entreprise. They were just super excited. And then, boom, we hit the road. <laughs> yeah. That's so cool. So th this is the truck you're sitting in right now. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen yeah. I've seen photos of the outside of it, I guess, on your Instagram. Yeah. I didn't even know I was looking at a truck. I just thought I was looking at this little climbing wall. But uh, that's so cool. Yeah. It is. Yeah. yeah. And it's surprising, like, how fulfilled I feel. Mm while doing all these different type of projects of course it is for us really important that uh, we have a good balance in between like really just like rock climbing for us you know like easy life and then doing like social projects which are making sense to someone or giving a sense to someone or maybe we can just bring some happiness for like a day or two or maybe we can really change or influence some people's lives like in romania it was really really the impact was really big because the, like the structure there from Felipe and Jeno is there since like six years. So you come and you're just a big plus, but you really, you know, bring further like a project which is already set up and which works since a couple of years. So it's not just like a one shot. You go to school or whatever. You set up the walls like, hey, kids, let's climb. And then the next day they do like another sports or whatever, like yeah. anything else. So it's really like our goal is really to team up with like a solid association, which is on spot and which has like a structure structure. And so we just come and, and, and add something to their, to their project. I love that. That's amazing. It, it is like, ah, oh, it's really good. Mm. Like really it's uh, not a, that I want to sell us or so, but um, emotionally wise, it's really, it's really rich. It's really heavy. It's uh, it's very rich to exchange with all those people coming for, from everywhere and like growing up like really with um, no money, basically. And just seeing that we live in such a bubble mm. of like we're, so, we're in such another world, you know. And I mean, we're still talking about here. It's like Romania is still Europe, you know. You're not talking about South Africa or whatever or, you know, just yeah. like somewhere which is really like kind of poor 
And I think as a person, I really, I'm really blowing, blowing up, I would say. Um, it really feels to me that I can think, teach or bring the values of the sports that I love so much to other people that I can really transmit this in a, because I'm still so passionate. So it's just not just like, yeah, now I did it, but now here you can play a bit if you want. Like I'm full in, you know, mm. I do the root setting every time I, I, I boulder with all the kids and like the people. And uh, it's really, I love it. I mean, once you're passionate, I t- you know, it, I can't let it go. It's just there. It will stay forever. <laughs> That's amazing. That's amazing. I didn't. I didn't know very much about this. I'd seen um, mm. a, a little bit on your blog and on your Instagram about this, but it's so fun mm-hmm. to to hear you piece it all together for me and hear what you've been up to um, with this new passion, with this new project. How do you think about that moving forward over the long term and balancing that with? climbs that you still want to do like do you think you will have phases like will you go back and try to do the nose at some point or is it just all totally up in the air how do you think about that um so we choose to do this like this was our first trip to see if we actually really like it or if we're just like okay now we're over it uh we still have a base in france so we still have a we're renting like a very small house in up in the mountains um, the no's, I can tell you the, the, the answers, like definitely no, mm. not because I think uh, that I missed something, because I think like failing on something so big that I tried so hard for a long time was to me the best thing that could happen. Wow. Like it's really, it was really like the turning point I wanted actually to, to, to take since a long time, but it was, I hadn't had the courage, mm. you know? When I look back and like on my climbing list, I would say I only had succeed. Like seriously, I never did not succeed in a route that I really wanted to succeed. It was, I let it go because uh, sometimes I just did not like root or I, whatever, but it was really like my heart wasn't then so involved. And the nose is really like a, a big part of my life and a, and a big uh, dedication. It's very, very dedicated. And it was the best thing not not to be able. And I mean, I was so close. Like you mm. can't even imagine like how close I was. And I mean, I had the full support of Lynn Hill. So we she came two times, like in 2018. No, when was it? 18 and then 19. She came back to again. But I mean, like Lynn was almost 60 there then, you know. So I did I did the job. I mean. I can uh-huh. line uh-huh. every single pitch on the sharp end. I hold every single liter of water. I, you know, I just, I was just like the, I was like the alpha, like from A to Z. And, you know, I hadn't had, of course, she was a fantastic, like, mentor. She was a fantastic motivator. But I mean, physically, she was not like taking off, you know, like, sure. or taking off some weight or so. She's really like, I had a partner, but I knew I, if I wanted to do it with Lynn, I had to do all the job. That is like a big, if you, I don't know if you have a climb, like a big wall, but it's, it's not like that. No, a little bit of work, a little bit of work. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, beside that, like I was so close. I mean, I was at the one hand to like reaching the top, you know, so it oh. is, it's good. It's really good. But then when I missed it, like that final goal, we spent like seven days together on the wall and I was totally burned out. And I knew I had like that morning, I knew that it was, I couldn't stay one more, one day more in the wall. I was mm. just, I was so exhausted. 
And then I was so close. And then when I did this last try, I knew that it is over. Like I wouldn't go further because I honestly, I fucked up a little my health for the drought. You know, mm. I, I had a, an infection on my feet, which is also, I think like a mental thing that came up. Um, I trained, I, I mean, I never really trained, but I really was really dedicated to, to, to performing, you know, I climbed a lot. I was pretty psycho rigid on like, uh, you know, you slow me down. No, go away. You slow me down. No, go away. I know mm. what I have to do, you know, like super, super intense. And I knew that that was not me. Like I couldn't do it again. So I knew that like I was over. I would not go back to the nose. Wow. Yeah. That's, I love that story. That's really beautiful. <laughs> no, really it is. It's, it's rare that you hear someone truly appreciate failure like that. I mean, it's still an amazing accomplishment to, to be up there at all and to get as close as you got. But to say, no, I got what I wanted from this experience and I learned a really important lesson and I'm satisfied. Like that's so mature. Well, the thing and... is like, it took me months to, to, <laughs> okay. to have that clear opinion because when you're there, <laughs> yeah. I started crying. I felt like shit. <laughs> Uh, yeah. I, when I was back home, I told this to a really good climbing partner. He's like, Nia, you were so close. Next year we go together and I hold everything for you. We, we're partners and you're sure you will do it. And I was like, yeah, 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 whatever. But then I was just like, I realized that it was really time to let go. Mm. And that opened like being vulnerable, opened me up for like starting a real relationship, which is not always just like, climbing orientated or like you know like goal orientated or whatever and also like honestly but that was immediately like I knew like after the first year that if I want to go back I was it was with Lynn because like seriously spending seven days on a wall with Lynn Hill is one of the most how can I say it hilarious experience ever (laughs) she is so funny like that's great life stories she has to talk and you know when you're in a big world you talk a lot uh-huh. you have lots of time to talk yeah you don't hold anything back space. yeah yeah and there's like no more secrets like no more <laughs> you know because everything stays on the wall you know so i knew that already after year one i mean we spent one month together in Yosemite. we had like a three-day push where i freed all the pitches except um changing corners and then she came back we spent another few days working on changing corners and then, yeah, we went for the ground up, you know? And so we spent seven days and I knew like, I would never exchange like a succeed against like, against like versus the experience with like being there with Lynn. Mm. That was, that was, but I, that I, I knew, you know, that's cool. Yeah. I love it. Well, yeah. The, the, intense. What's it that? Intense. Intense. It was intense. Yeah. Like that full project, like trying so hard for so long and then just not succeeding was like to me it was a, a big a big deal. Thanks for sharing that. Hmm. Really. Because it, it's welcome. it's really rare that um that we hear that, you know, if it doesn't come out on a podcast like this, you know, if there isn't a video of you doing the climb that's captured after you know, you go back and film after you've done it or whatever, however that hmm. works. It's just rare that that story comes across. And I think that happens more often than we realize as fans of the sport, as climbers ourselves, you know, people that just follow follow climbing closely. So thank you. 
Well, the thing is also like, it really brings you, it really guides you to something else. Like I had, I had to go somewhere else. Like it was really time. I mean, I was there and I was like 33 almost. And yeah, it was really time to give up this like super hardcore solo Nina life, like Swiss machine. I was like, where's the women actually, you know, where's the <laughs> women? I'm just a machine, you know? Uh, so it was a little bit poor. And uh, also, I think now I've, I'm so fulfilled, fulfilled with like a new project that is even like bigger and like really much more deeper. So now I can really stand, look back and I'm super proud and have like no, no, no regrets on this and everything I did in, in my life. But especially the nose experience was really something very precious to me. And uh, one of the the most significant, like I would say, event that had to happen in my life was mm. not to succeed in the nose, in order to evolve in a in a way that actually I I re I badly wanted to, mm. but I hadn't had the courage. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting hearing you describe what you're doing now as your new big project. What does what does sending this project look like? Is there an end to it? Is do you have a clear vision for what you hope to accomplish, or is it just about the process, the experience? I truly have to say that uh, there's like a no end. It's like all founded on a private founds. Of course, we had like sponsored the world. It was like a, a I would say a sponsor part but we have like no obligations we're totally free if tomorrow we decide that's it that's it then we stop and uh, it's really like a personal experience that both of us wanted to do um it's a it's a project which is very unclear in the beginning like not very concrete and now it becomes more and more extremely um concrete you know like true like uh and it is actually way over our expectations. Like the, the the people we meet and like the experience are some of the most sincerest and like deepest experience I ever made in my life. Um, it's a beautiful and really like a new thing to me to share a project with someone else. Mm. I was always like the only leader or like, you know, I, I, I knew what I wanted. So I was looking for my partners. Of course, I had friends, of course. I was I'm not like a total egoist, but really like building up where both of us we have a role which is very balanced. So Jeremy has a very very big talent to capture photos, but also more than that, he is a very sensitive person. And since he is not like a professional rock climber, whatever, it makes the project very accessible, accessible mm -hmm. to people. Yeah. Uh, because then it's not just like the hardcore Nina or whatever, or the hardcore couple. It's like, hey, that's Jeremy and Nina, and that's the truck, and it's Andrea, and they're doing beautiful things. And so we had so many uh, requests of like volunteers. They wanted to join and to help. And like, there's so many people reaching out. Hey, how can we help? Like, you know, it's it's amazing. It's amazing. So I think they're really, we, you can really get the sense that it is a private project and it's really based on like a personal energy and there's like no goal orientated or like no commercial behind. It's just really like we want to bring the values of climbing and sports in general to people through, um, uh, through images. Like, of course we are on spot, but through the images, uh, 
we're producing it's it's beautiful so he has this big capacity of like really going slowly you know doing slowly the connection and then once you really have the confidence and like you have these true experiences then you can capture this with a camera it's 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 beautiful mm. i looked at some of jeremy's photos uh yeah today actually this morning cool. and uh, i'll share his instagram for people he's he's an amazing photographer yeah yeah, yeah. he's an amazing person like really he is uh, so touched like every time we leave from a, like a very deep experience he he's just crying and mm. crying and crying you know he can't hold it back it's so it's so deep amazing and um yeah i mean there's no end like really like we're the coolest thing is also like you know climbing has always been the most natural thing to me in life like goals they always came to me you know i never had to think about huh, what can i do next or whatever there's always like i had an inspiration or a friend was talking about a route or whatever. And I was like, that's it. I have to go. Like, it's just calling me. And, um, and that feeling since the nose, I hadn't had that feeling, which is beautiful because then I'm never afraid to miss out. You know, I'm never like, Oh no, before my life was different or before I was there, or I would rather do other things because now I climb less. So I'm less in shape. It's like none of it. Like I really have the impression I climbed everything I wanted, which was important to me. Of course, there's always tons of climbing and whatever, but really like big things, big walls or, you know, just like hard multi-vitrout. And like, I'm fine. Like so good. And this is actually like a very beautiful feeling. And I think it needs that feeling in order to do this kind of project, mm. you know? never like oh my god i feel unfit i need to train or whatever it's like it's like totally fine that's incredible and it's, it's, yeah i mean i, I think i think that's what we're all looking for i think that's what all of us are trying to get to in our lives you know like we have all these big goals but we we all hope that when we actually achieve them if we ever achieve them that we feel that way instead of just immediately feeling mm-hmm. like okay what's next <laughs> you that's know the thing yeah yeah that's the thing yeah, that's, that's incredible to hear that. And maybe you need a big to fail yeah. really deeply. So then <laughs> you maybe feel more satisfied. And also I think like really like it's beautiful, like because I was really seriously, I was really missing like the women part um in my just in my life or in my body. Do you mean of and yourself? It, it, I'm super happy like since I really sorry. Of yourself, you mean? Yes. Since I I I since two years I really evolved in a beautiful way, you know. Mm. I became way more softer, way more smart, smarter, and just like yeah, I just become a woman, you know. I'm not just like a high performance athlete anymore. I'm really a woman, you know. <laughs> uh, I never had the period in my life, like never. And since uh, I'm dating Jeremy, I had my periods, you know. Imagine like I'm a woman and never had my periods. Wow. And then he arrives and she's like, okay, last time. <laughs> now you can become a woman, you know? Do it. <laughs> it's, it's a, the, you're joking, but it's like, it's, no, it's beautiful. It's, it beautiful. is. It's incredible. Yeah. That's incredible. And so, yeah, when you don't look like a full machine anymore or you don't feel like a full machine, you're super happy with like, just like climbing eight days or whatever, you know? And you're just like, oh my God. If I don't climb, and I'm, I'm not like at the high level, you know, it's like, it's so cool. And I enjoy it so much. Like, 
I really love climbing. I'm really fully, fully in when I'm around. You know, I try really hard every time. Uh, but yeah, if I climb eight eights, it's perfect. You know. Mm. I want to ask you: Is is part of that connected to food? I, I read an Instagram post from you yesterday. I was catching up and. I think it started with, I love food. It was a, a photo mm -hmm. of you eating some mm -hmm. fresh fruit or something. I love food. Yeah. And you just talked about how happy you were that you've stopped restricting. Mm -hmm. um, I guess I assume that must have been part of it. Was that just attached to your fixation on performance and trying to send your project? Um, the thing is that if you're a climber, you never want to gain weight. Like that's a thing like most of people think we hate it. Like we're afraid of. So of course you never eat too much, you know, like I was never like anorexic or whatever, like far off that, but just always like this thought that, ah, oh, shit, if I eat that cake, it's not good. You know, you mm -hmm. always feel guilty if yeah. you just eat normally like a regular person, which has <laughs> not to be fat, you know, you just feel guilty and that's it. Although I love food. I mean, it's really, it's really, and I love alcohol. That's a, that's the worst. <laughs> um, but it's just always that guilty feeling when you, you, you know, when you eat a little bit too much or whatever piece of cake or whatever, you know? And, uh, I was honestly, like I had a really good natural, um, cycle in terms of like performance during the year. And that's a thing I learned over the years. And it was really, that was really naturally. So winter to me was always like low time, you know, like Christmas, like family, like more than that. And then spring, I did many sports climbing routes. And then summer, I was always very, very, very fit. Like summer, it's the time where I'm, I'm really, really good. And then autumn also. And then it really, you know, it really shuts down. And it's also like, so when I'm, roots are calling me to me it's just a natural thing to be very dedicated and like step by step you know sometimes it takes like i don't know six months before you can even go to the route because it's not season or whatever but then i know what i want to do i know how the climbing style looks like so i try to 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 gain mileage on like this type of climbing you know if you go on a granite wall you try to climb and granite and tread as much as possible or whatever, you know. And so also like my body got really in shape and naturally because I spent them since summer, spent so much time outdoors, like in the alms, also often we have like long approaches. So I often lost a little bit of weight, but not like dramatically, you know, I just got fit. And then in winter was all everything else. But still though, I mean, food is a big topic, right? It yeah. is, uh, it can be very disturbing but it can also just be like thoughts that you, yeah, that you feel guilty. Mm -hmm. And um, the thing is also like the more time you spend outdoors, the less you, you're questioning yourself, you're, you know, because your body is always outdoors. And when me personally, when I'm outdoors, I just really listen to my body, mm. what he needs. If you're more like indoors or in the city or whatever, in a daily routine, it's not just, you know, you don't just really listen, mm. whatever. Outdoors is really good to me. Um, so yeah, I have never been like an extreme, like uh, not on food, like really not uh, extreme, how do you say, restricting food, but just like the guiltiness yeah, that comes yeah. with. And at the other hand, I think it's very healthy as well. 
Because if you are an athlete and you're not able to focus in a time where we have to focus, then you can't be a winner, you know, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because then you will always find excuses. And right. so when you, your body, a new mind, you know, says it's like, okay, like that's, that will be the day. It's like in a month or in, in six weeks or whenever, you know, you just put everything's on your side that you have the biggest chance to succeed. And if you, I think if you, this is like a really big quality, and if you're not able to do that, you know, then you fuck. <laughs> <laughs> then you will be in the wall. It's like, oh, I know that I shouldn't have done this or that or that. Mm. It's like, no, I know. This, I that was what happened in the nose. And the nose, it is really came to extreme that two months before leaving, I asked a friend of mine of like, what do you think? I love food. How can I lose two kilos to, in order to perform just a little tiny bit better for the nose? And he's like, well, you should maybe not eat carbs anymore. And I was like, but you can eat anything you want, but just not carbs. And I was like, okay, that makes sense. So I can really, I can eat. So I did that and it worked in like dramatically, like it worked really good actually. And that was just like the first time I really did a diet, like a specific diet. And uh, I mean, I'm, I'm not like a, you know, my physics is not like super like fat or whatever. No, so it I, really well. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like you did not have two kilos to lose just looking at you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But then, yeah. then I lost it. And then I knew like, that was just, that was too much. And then I had an mm. infection on my feet and I was just like, you know, like eating like anti, um, pain, anti pain for like to, that it goes over just to be able to, to, to perform in the nose, you know? Oh, man. So I really fucked up my health. I was really burned out and out of it. It's like, fuck, when I was back home, I was like, you're such an idiot. Mm. You're such an idiot. Like, this is just a route. And now your health is like, you're really struggling. I mean, it took me like six months to get back to like a normal feed again. Wow. And, um, so that was a bit too much. Yeah. It's, yeah. I mean, there's so many people listening to this that can relate to that. I think it's, we're all flirting with that line. We're all kind of looking for it all the time, right? Like I want to dedicate everything to this thing that's important to me, but you know, you can't actually dedicate everything. Everything is too much. So there's some line between dedicating a lot and too much. And it's really hard to know where that line is until you cross it. And then it, it becomes really clear mm -hmm. in hindsight, right? And the thing is also like before, I never crossed that line. Mm. Like it was never, it never came to a point, point where it's like doing a diet or I was like really like specifically training for one route because I love climbing so much that I just climbed and climbed and climbed and the performance came. And of course, I'm, I have a really good feeling on like technical slaps or so. Uh, but uh, it was just very, very natural, you know? And, but then for that route, it was just different. And you know why I did it? Because I wanted to prove something to someone else. Mm. Wow. I wanted to prove Lynn that I was able to do a second female stand. I don't want to disappoint her. And, uh, and it was such a, an iconic route, but that really, I would, when I come back, I was like, Nina, it's not for you. You want to to climb that route it's really to prove something to someone else and this is why i did so much stupid things mm. for that it was different and that's important is like nina stop like wow has that guilt dissipated now the food guilt 
Um, yeah. Yeah. That's yeah, good. Yeah. That's because, so good. Uh, yeah. 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 But it was also like very, how do you say, um, um, just wait a second. Yeah, that's okay. Mm-hmm. Ah, mais pour un moment, manger, on est encore pour trois quarts d'heure. Oui. Oui, oui. Um, yeah, I mean, many things I, I was used to do before, like, it was very different because um, I think the guiltiness specifically was when I was like missing climbing, when I felt like I would miss climbing, you know, I wasn't, when I spent like, I had to imagine not climbing for a week. I was like, no, no way. Like, this is too much. I can't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when I did not climb for a week, I felt guilty. It's like, oh shit, I have to do something. I have to do something. I could do something like I, I need to go. I have to go climbing, you know? And then also, like, the more I felt this, like, um, inner, how do you say, inner, like, uh, voice, like, calling me to go, you have to do. I felt like, but this is just the way of, like, escaping something. Because that's also the, a funny thing in, like, the climbing. Like, for such a long time, I was just totally in the flow, like, totally rocking, you know, just, like, discovering so many things. So many places, so many climbs, and it's just very natural. I really wanted to improve and to progress and all this stuff. But then when you get older and older and you see around you, like every one of your, all your friends, they start to have kids and to start to be settled down, you know, you really feel a little bit different, but in weird things. Of course, it's nice to be dedicated to perform and to a sports and all this stuff. But if you really like then it's all about it. You really start feeling, I felt starish, I don't know, feeling a bit weird about it. Mm. And also I was really asking myself, why you, you really want to go climbing? Is it because you're, you truly just really want to go rock climbing or is it because you want to escape truth and you want to escape like that actually you want to do something a little bit differently, but you don't have the courage. Wow. So it really switched from my thirties on, I would say. Yeah. Before that, you know, in, in your 20s, you just rock. You go and you rock. You, you know, you never feel guilty at all. And I think it's it's wonderful to dedicate your 20s to like really like performing and like rocking all around. But then you're when you're 30 and like nothing changed too much in your life except gaining so much experience in one discipline. I don't know. It started to be a little bit weird to me. Mm. And now I feel really like relaxed about it. It's like, I don't feel guilty at all, like at all. When I see like, and you can also really observe it. Like before, maybe I was sometimes a little bit jealous when like other people climbed, you know, it's like, oh, I also wanna, or they did some performance, they did some beautiful rides. And I was like, oh shit, I actually also wanna do it. <laughs> and now I, I really don't care. Like, it's not that I would, there's like no emotion. Mm. Like there's no sense of like jealousy or happiness for them or whatever. It's just like, I'm very almost like cold about it. Hmm. But if I know my friends, they call me and they have a problem or whatever, there's something going on, like a real problem. It's like, oh yeah, I really feel pain for you. I really feel bad for you. Or I really feel compassion, you know? So it really, really changed. And last year was a lot going on. Yeah. a small change but in a really good way that's why i told you i became very smoother and like soft enough 
soft and it's good. I it was, I really needed it. That's amazing. I, this is incredible. <laughs> it's incredible to hear all this. And it's it's interesting. I mean, it makes sense because one of the things I wanted to, to ask you about, um, and in fact, I'll actually just read Steve's question, even though we've been talking about it without you realizing it for the mm-hmm. last 20 minutes. I don't even know if the, the question's worth asking now, but I'll just ask it. Yeah. <laughs> so Steve, Steve wrote me, we were emailing back and forth and he was kind enough to connect the two of us. Um, and he wrote me and he said, I'd say Nina is one of the most inspiring female climbers ever. She is like Lynn Hill, a true climber. She lives and breathes it. She is amazing at all styles. Her motivations are what I'm impressed by. She's not just driven to perform. She also wants to experience the mountains and the climbing in whatever way that nature throws at her. But she's also a true athlete. She has a background in competitions and training, though was never so drawn into that that her values changed. I'd be interested to hear how she balances performance with adventure. In the past, I've struggled over the potential drop in performance when on big adventure trips or phases. I know if I spent a month in Greenland or two months in the UK trad climbing, my top end will drop. I like my top end. And I can just hear him saying that. I like my top end. (laughs) It, It makes me feel good. But I also feel more and more the need for adventure. Does Nina feel this conflict or is she happy to ebb and flow knowing that she will make up her performance when the time is right? Uh, if not, does she try and fit in any kind of training when not performing? And he says that he's brought his fingerboard on many family trips. But, you know, reading that and, and seeing, you know, following your, your climbing, I've followed your climbing for quite a long time. And it seems like beneath the climbing, there always has been this love of adventure and the mountains and nature. And that comes through in your videos, that comes through in your interviews. And you're still, what you're doing now is that still, you know, you're, you're still living out that what seems to me like that deeper thread that, you know, that climbing, that climbing was very compatible with, you know, climbing was a vehicle to do these deeper things that you loved. But, um, but yeah, does that, does it feel like that? Do you feel like you're still just living out adventure and in in nature and the ways that, yeah, I mean, totally. No. And I mean, I gave you like, like the really dramatic side of mine because uh, the nose was maybe a little bit too much borderline. But seriously, I mean, I am and I was the first time I climbed the route was when I was 13. And from the first route on, I knew that's me. Like I'm shaped for for this. That's, for climbing. that's one, what I want to do. Yeah. But before that, I mean, I grew up in the mountains. Like I was on skis when I was two years old. I did uh, competitions and snowboarding. I pretty early I started to do ski touring, mountaineering. So I really have a background which comes truly from the adventure. Like the climbing, before I was 17, I had no idea what means red pointing around. I was just climbing up, you know, like with, with catching the creek draws or like making pauses or whatever. Like we had, at the place where I grew up, we had no sense for like a red pointing around. And um, so red pond in my first round when I was 17 and it was like a 7B because I saw no clue. Like, why should I go back to route? You That's know? a pretty I good first funded. red point. Yeah, it was good. <laughs> 7B, 12B for people listening. Yeah. So I grew up in a really, you know, remote like valley, Alpine Valley. And the valleys, values, you, you are who you are. Like you are how you grew up. And I mean, those values of like, 
partnership and like really like the climbing partners in the mountains and like we were a bunch of groups like young people but for, from age like all different ages and so the older and more stronger always took care of the weaker it was always you know we we're always helping each other and we did some great adventures some great weeks uh, of ski touring climbing whatever so it had really had this big sense of like uh, i don't know being tied together like being like relayed, being linked up with like a team. And like, um, that was always like my really big uh, spirit of the mountains and the adventuring. I think it is more adventuring to me is more like being curious and really seeing what, what the world has to offer. I sometimes, of course, sometimes many times I made really good adventure trips. Um, but I think to me, it was more like a lifestyle being an adventurer I mean, I quit Switzerland when I was 19 because it wasn't the place to me, the right place to me that I could evolve in the, the way I wanted to evolve because I did not feel like uh, fitting into any kind of boxes mm. in Switzerland. So I knew that I had to leave. So I had my first car and I moved to France, gypsy style, like fully gypsy style. What does that mean? Can you describe that a little more? So a friend of mine, he actually arranged that I had like a car, like the uh, garage in Switzerland. He offered like a, he lent me a car. And so as soon as I had that car, I just left. Like, I was like, I need to go to France. And uh, so I spent so much time camping and being outdoors in my car and with my tent in Verdun, in Mio, in Saffron France, just in general. It was so cool. Like, so, so, so cool. Like, like from 19 to uh, to 20 and then 22. So I wasn't living in France then. So I switched back a little bit, like staying some months at my mom's place, doing some little jobs in like a climbing gym, as a root setter, as a barmaid, as a carpenter. <laughs> uh, you know, I just earned little money and then I, I went back on a trip. And then when I was 22, I actually, I quit Switzerland and I moved to France. And that was beautiful to me because it had so much to offer and i really needed this kind of a little bit messy french character you know where people are a little bit they have lots of like odas it's like um it's not courage but they they really they try to do stuff you know and they they don't let just go they really want to do stuff and they, they really love the outdoors and Many people, they lived like as a seasoner somewhere and then they took off six months to go climbing or whatever. And I really liked it. It was more, yeah, it really fit me. And I think it's more like the adventures then that was always like a big part of my life. Mm. A very big part. Just to be when someone had like offered something, as like, just Jason, hey, would you go there? It's like, hey, let's do it. Let's, let's go. <laughs> and so I did. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's cool i actually uh you first came on my radar for the very first time from that film the arteryx film viva la vie and it was you and jonathan segrist climbing in the verdon yeah. Like yeah 2013 i think and um yeah. i was like who's this chick that's keeping up with j star because <laughs> you know, i was a huge i still am a huge jonathan segrist fan uh, but yeah you guys were just wrapping in and climbing out you know these really famous amazing multi-pitch sport climbs and 
flashing and on sighting 513s. And I was just like, who yeah. is this? Yeah. <laughs> the Swiss ma- machine. But you also just, you seemed so, um, I remember from that film, the, the light in your eyes when you talked about the Verdon. And I've seen that in other films of you too. Like you really do seem to fall in love with the place. And mm-hmm. sometimes when I go on trips, I'm sure people can relate to this. I've, I get so fixated on what I want to do there or how my progress is going on the thing that I decide to try. It can really, if, if you're not careful, it can really kind of overshadow or color the entire experience in a, I think in a negative way, in a, in a way that takes away from really being present there and enjoying yeah. the unique experience, yeah. the, the culture, the people, whatever. And I wanted to ask you, I, I don't, I can't think of too many people that I've talked to on the podcast that are as widely traveled as you. You know, there's a few, but you're definitely Mm -hmm. in the top few that have really traveled all around the world and climbed all over the world. I'd love to hear what are some of the places that really stand out in your heart that you've just totally fallen in love with or remained in love with over over all these years. Like a burden, like it's Mm. definitely top of the list because it is so big and it's so beautiful that you can't have a goal, specific goal before being there and it's just the it's pretty rude actually it's It's pretty wild rude like it's pretty wild Mm. it's pretty epic Mm. and you can really feel the presence of nature there it's really strong it's very intimidating and like very 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 beautiful um that was definitely like that was a place where where i really felt in love with friends and like i want to i want to be there um, another trip that really marked my life was uh, a trip to Kyrgyzstan, an expedition at the time with uh, David Lama and two other Swiss friends. We made a really, really good trip there. Um, I would say Argentina. I was, that was my first French trip. I was you know, traveling there for six weeks with like 10 French guys. Was this to uh, Tuzgle? Is, it, is that Tuzgle, how you say, yeah. say it again? Tuzgle. Tuzgle. Yeah, Tuzgle. Yeah. Tuzgle. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That was really, it was so fantastic. <laughs> like it was so like being in a desert there and just like developing this new climbing polar area was so good. The traveling there was really good. Um, yeah, in general, I really like to go to South America, although um, I haven't been there for a long time. Um, and then my trips to to the east in general, like Lebanon, it was very, is very, very good as well. I mean, I think I really like the Muslim culture, and uh, I, I think the more east you go, you know, it's like somehow like starting from Turkey or so. Gosh, the people are so beautiful, like mm. so, so, so beautiful. I really admire like how they speak. I really love hearing Arabic. Um, I really like that. Yeah, just like the Eastern influence, like the songs and all the colors and the smells. I really like it. Yeah. Um, I think, the. I don't know. What can I say? Every single trip, I would say, had something that I could learn of. Or maybe going back to Yosemite like a couple of times, like for a couple of years, was maybe the last adventure. Mm. 
because uh, the culture is, I don't want to criticize, but the culture is the, the culture is not so exotic or not so exciting to me. Yeah. It's more things I'm used to or I know already or of course I love like how kind and like how friendly people in the US are, especially in California. But it wasn't something that I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute, like what's going on? Like how do I feel? Like, <laughs> you know, that you really lost in space. Mm-hmm. But I mean the climbing it was like totally like outstanding, like Indian Creek and Moab and all this stuff was like one of the most prettiest places I haven't seen, like really. Um, gosh, even, I mean, there's so many, like, and I think my curiosity made out of every trip or every place I've been and visited that it is very, very unique and very rich. And uh, although I, the topic was always around climbing, I was always very, very open to people Maybe not as much as now, but uh, really like very open-hearted and like welcoming and and yeah. <laughs> I can say like I know I should feel guilty that I burned so much kerosene on this planet and traveled so much. Mm. At the same time, I feel so so grateful for it that I had the chance to do it. Mm. And now I feel so grateful that all of that, like the, the mixture of like the, the climbing experience when you push hard in your performance and the traveling and all just like that open heart experience you made, now I can share it. And it really brings me to another level of like um, transmission. Really, like seriously, since like especially the COVID-19, I have the impression that through my experience, I can really make travel other people uh just through my stories or dreams or crazy things that happens and this is beautiful you know it's it's such a rich life i had and i can really share it yeah i know I should, I should feel guilty but i do not <laughs> for like, all the traveling <laughs> no i know that now i travel in a way that really makes sense and is really um good uh when you look at the planet how it evolves yeah. We travel very, very slowly and like we stay for like a month, like at one spot and we travel by, you know, we move with bikes and stuff. And it's, yeah. it's really different. It's really good. That's cool. Mm-hmm. That's cool. I hope that with technology, we can find a way to have both, you know, cleaner <laughs> ways to travel and continue to uh, be able to connect with one another globally and, and see more corners of the earth and yeah, I mean, the thing is also now I, I really what I wanted to to tell is like the most traveling I did was inside of France. And of course, it is a big country and of course, it has a big diversity. But uh, if you travel, like truly travel, you go to a place and you stay there, and you stick there and you're not just like climbing goal orientated, like the travel feels so rich, like it mm. can really be like a 200 kilometer out of you know, or in the same country or whatever. But I mean, I traveled so much, like the most I did was traveling between like France and Switzerland. Mm-hmm. And still there, I'm mind blown by the, the experience and like the landscapes and like the, yeah, the adventure. So that's also thing I, it's really important to be to inspire people that, yeah, you don't have to go far away, like not at all. That's great. That's a great message. Is there anywhere that you feel 
I mean, it sounds like you're enjoying your time in Greece right now, but um, mm-hmm. do you feel pulled to go somewhere new that you haven't been, or do you feel a pull to go back to somewhere that you've been and would love to to revisit? Mm, well, I mean, in the next years, I would take, I would love to take uh, this trip to more Eastern and then just leave the truck somewhere and go back the train. I would really love to explore and to bring climbing more to countries in need. Like I would really deeply go back to to Lebanon. Um, maybe if I can go to Iran one day, Afghanistan will be a little bit uh, too too delicate. But yeah. really, like uh, like I guess I told you, like East for us, like which just goes more than just like Eastern Europe. That's a, a thing I feel really attracted to, and I really like the traveling by. You know, the truck, the slow traveling by boat or by train. Um, yeah, that's the thing I definitely want to go back. I don't feel so attracted to go. I don't feel the need to go back to the U.S. or Canada, especially. Because I think I visited a lot and and I don't know how I could evolve. You know, what mm. I did, could I take out of it? Although, of course, there's also need, I'm sure, if you could bring over Andrea to there, there would be a big need. Mm, yeah. But um yeah, I mean that's also why I live in France and and Europe in the Alps in general. I feel really connected to what we have here and um yeah, France in, in particular I'm really attached to. I wanted to ask you this earlier. I wanted to clarify it. So Andrea is the name of the truck and the project. Mm-hmm. Okay. How did mm-hmm. Andrea get its name, her name, its name? <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. I think it's a beautiful name. It I is. always wanted to have a what to call uh, our kid, our first kid, Andrea. Okay. Because it's for men and women. And Jeremy, he doesn't really like it. And so <laughs> he suggested, hey, we should call the truck Andrea. So that I'm sure our kid, if we, one day we have a kid, it will not be Andrea. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a beautiful name. I like it. It's very Italian, very Swiss, very... Everyone can spell it, you know? It's not like <laughs> climbing association for whatever, whatever, whatever. It's just like, it's Andrea. hmm I love it. <laughs> That's great. That opens up another question. I wasn't... I hadn't decided if I wanted to ask this. Uh, this is from Steve McClure, and he, you know, he gave all the caveats. He's like, this is a sensitive question. You know, maybe it's too personal. And I edit this podcast, so if you don't feel comfortable talking about it, we can chop it out. But... Steve was really curious to hear if you wanted to have kids. And he's heard me talk about that on the show. And he uh, he sent me an email and he said that at one point he was like 90% sure that he did not want to have kids. And they've turned out to be the best experience of his life. And, mm. um, you know, he, he said something really great. I, I can't remember exactly how he phrased it, but he's like, I mean, you know, if I hadn't had kids and I'd had all that time to pursue climbing like maybe i would have climbed a 9b plus but like really what is it all worth at the end of the day anyway you know if it's if it's just you so um anyway (laughs) so one question before that when is the podcast coming out um i don't know exactly yet i might i was thinking about doing a quick turn and putting it out like this coming monday but it i can wait it could come out like three weeks from now because I then have like two answers. So one answer, <laughs> if it comes out on Monday, is like, yeah, of course. 
And if it comes out in like three weeks, I will tell you, yes, I'm pregnant. <laughs> but only, it's like seven weeks, seven, eight weeks. So I will not spread out the word now. Yeah. Congratulations. Yeah, so the questions, thank you. That's amazing. Oh my gosh. That's amazing. I'm yeah. so glad I asked it. Yeah. And I will make sure that I <laughs> put this out accordingly. I'll, I'll wait. I'll wait. I'll, yeah. <laughs> Uh, no, of course, it has always been uh, a wish of mine to have kids. Um, I, but I was also right on from big, like my early whenever I knew that if I would have kids, I would have kids late because I really wanted to explore the climbing. And I had, it was like no question that I do like a compromise of like stopping expeditions by the age of like 25 because I will have a kid or whatever. I was like, no, I want to live my climbing experience as fully as I can. So I would have no regrets. And then I will be like the most nicest mom in the world. And this is actually what happens now. As I told you, like I have nothing on my list. I would say like I absolutely have and want to climb that, you know? And I think also kid will be just such a big plus in my life in general. It will be such a big plus for our project. You know, if you travel here and you have a baby on board and it's just so totally, you know, adapting to your lifestyle and the travel, it will be amazing. So, mm. yeah, it's on the way. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. I have to read this short paragraph from Steve. He wrote... Uh, this is the end of his email. He wrote, anyway, I think Nina would make a really good mom. She has all the right stuff. She's clever, caring, adventurous, and also a good balance between going for it in life, but allowing others to go for it and making the way for them. So, Oh, so pretty. Yeah. It's really surprising that he was writing all the stuff because we don't know each other so well. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that's great. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I did ask him. I asked him if he had... Um, any questions for you or anything and um yeah but that's amazing Great. that's amazing congratulations yeah. again hmm. um <laughs> you mentioned it a couple times and i want to ask you a little bit more about your climbing it's so cool to hear that you're in a place where you can look back at your accomplishments and your experiences in climbing and say like truly say i feel satisfied and i would love to hear when you stop and think about your climbing and your accomplishments, um, what are the ones that really stand out to you? Well, the nose, because after all, it is a big accomplishment, like one of the biggest, I would say. Um, my first really big one was when I freed around a silver gyre in the mm. Raticon, mm -hmm. because it was truly the first route I just climbed for myself. Because before that, you know, you're young, you're stupid, and you always want to prove something to somebody and you're kind of a bastard and all this stuff, you know. But that was truly a route I climbed for myself. And that was then just the door open to like, oh, this is how it feels when you really do a thing for yourself. And then it was just like that every single time. Not, to, of course, not, it doesn't have the same deepness, but uh, still. Um, one of the most beautiful adventure or like experience was when I opened a route in um, in Chamonix together with Arnaud Petit. We opened a route on the Grand Capucin, like a 12 pitch, beautiful like crack line, like up to 70 plus. That was like the best thing 
We spent like four days in the mountains, just the two of us to open that route. That was so good. Wow. And then also when I climbed the first time in the, at the north face of the Eiger, that was actually not such a long time ago. You know, the Eiger is a very iconic route mountain for the Swiss. And I never had the courage to go there and to climb something. And the first climb I did on that wall was uh, La Vida Silvar. It's a route opened by Stefan Sigrist and Willy Stick. And it's like a 30, how many pitches? 36 pitches, like wow. up to 70. And I did like the first female, like one day ascent of like uh, the route. And it is so cool. We climbed for 22 hours. Wow. <laughs> My partners. That was a long day. That's a big day. Yeah. When you say you didn't have the courage, was that like the aura around the Eiger wanting to make sure you could prove yourself? Yeah. I just never found like the right moment. I yeah. did not feel ready to go like, because I started doing more up and stuff like from maybe 2016 on you know, climbing more in Chamonix and like more in like mountain conditions. Um, and I don't know, it just never felt like the right timing that I had to force it too much to find someone or to go or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then I also did like the first, you know, like onside of send of a very iconic route uh, in Chamonix called the Divine Providence. It's like a, it's like a, a route that finished on top of Mont Blanc, of course. So it's like, um, it's like a free day tour you can do wow. and there's like a head wall. It's like a 900 meter granite wall in the middle of the mountains with a kind of heavy approach, like a head wall with difficulties up to 70 plus and then a big mixed, mixed climbing, ice climbing exit and then topping out on Mont That was definitely, definitely one of the biggest achievements, especially we're running out of water, like gas. And then of course, water and food. For like the last, I don't know, how many hours? 13 hours? <laughs> and that was really when you start, your brain really starts to, you know? I don't, sudden, I don't know. I'll like take your word for it. <laughs> yeah. All yeah. of a sudden, you're in a survival mode yeah. and your body is a machine. Like you can't believe it, how powerful and how much energy you have because like there's no more option, you know? Mm. Like there's one row up and you're such in a big high and yeah, totally like, you know, you can't feel like thirsty anymore or like hungry. It's just, it's all gone. And you're just machine. Mm. So good. That was so good. Um, yeah. I mean, in general, like doing routes in the mountains or in a mountain environment was always very, very, um, it marked me a lot, much more than doing like maybe like a sport multi-bit route or, which is always very pleasant to climb and I love it. But it was in the mountains that it always had this feeling of a little bit more, more serious, mm. more deep, more, more connected to nature, more rough, also like more hardcore. Yeah. 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 And then I opened it and opened it together with like Sean, Willemave and Roger Shelley. We opened it uh, together around Antiago North Face. And then the year after I freed it, that was, that was also really good. <laughs> yeah. Sick. Oh man, I yeah. I haven't heard about many of these. This is this is amazing. Yeah. I got a logistical so. question for you about big walls. And mm-hmm. this is a, a patron question from Randall. He wanted to know what is your process for big walls? Do you wrap in from the top? Do you try to go ground up? 
How do you get ready for such an experience? Are you just sport climbing a lot to try to build that kind of all day fitness, general conditioning? And then he writes, P.S. You are a legend. Hmm. Um, well, my I have a very strong ethic. So to me, a route starts on the ground. It goes up to the top. Like I couldn't imagine like wrapping in a route. I don't know. I've never been. And just like wrapping in like this would take off. But this is really like a personal thing. It really would take off the experience because I really love to struggle or to be in this unknown and you don't know exactly where it goes and how it works and all this stuff. Mm. Um, once I know the route, I mean, the business often is like you go and you check out a route. If it's like a multi-pitch, uh, you like the route, you go back and then you play some static rope so you can do more up. You can figure out, check out the hard routes. And once you're ready, you take off the, the the ropes and you just go for a ground up. Uh, the big wall in the nose was a little bit different. So I did like my first experience with my ex-ex-boyfriend, um, I don't know, 2016, I would say, where we just went for the nose classic, you know, three-day ground up, uh, aiding through the hard pitches, whatever. And then when I was back there with Lynn, we also did ground up and then for changing corners we wrapped in from the top to check out those pitches but i mean yeah that is to me it made sense um in general to gain fitness i mean i always had a big quality or my strong point has always been like being very endurance my weakness point was i am not very explosive i'm not very uh yeah but I can, I can stay on for a long time. Mm -hmm. I, I recover really well on the wall. And I think the biggest advantages that I have is like, I don't feel fear. So it really takes off. Like none of my energy goes, it's like goes off because I feel free fear. Wow. Is that so something really you, is that something you worked on or is that just a no. superpower? Okay. No, it's just like a superpower. I yeah. think it really is related to the place I grew up and where I started climbing is the Ratican. Mm. The Ratican has really long run outs and um, I did some really bad falls, you know, just like, you know, just like falling on slabs, you know, just like <laughs> falling on slabs and all oh. this stuff. And every time I survived, I was like, okay, that's, that's okay. <laughs> and then after a while, when you take so many falls, you really learn how to fall. Yeah, yeah. You know, you really know how to turn your body or if it's on a slab, you immediately run down or something like that. So it's a thing. I love it. I love it. And I don't feel afraid, but I have a really good feeling like in the mountains where I really know like in the Raticon is like there are places, many places you're not allowed to fall. Mm. And instead of panicking, I just keep very calm. Like I'm super focused. So I'm never really stressed about that. And it never takes off like some energy for climbing. This is also why in sport climbing, big wall climbing, I always have the same level. Like my maximum level is the same in a big wall or in a multi-pitch than in the sport climbing. And um, I think uh, since I did so much caving in my life, I have a very, very good uh, know-how about all the rope logistics and all the different all the different crazy like constellation you can do with ropes and hauling and so it, much caving in your life is that what you said yes okay yes, caving yeah because there you spend your days and days and days on ropes and like jimmering and holding or whatever yeah you do. 
No, I, I feel really, it's really easy to me to do like all the rope management and it's, it's not a thing that takes off energy. Mm-hmm. So when I'm on the wall, I can just really focus and the more time I spend on the wall, the better I feel. I mean, at the end of the day, I'm not happy to top out. I want to spend time on the wall, you know, because I feel so uncomfortable. I have my little belay seat or you can take a portal latch and set up a portal latch. So I really love like feeling like at home, like in a mm. vertical wall. <laughs> and I think that's the key, actually, if you want to become strong and like in multi-pitch or in big well, it's not actually, it's not reduced to like your climbing strength or like your physical strength. It's really like the all all the things around. Like if you struggle with your tagline being stuck all the time, you're at the end of the day, it's like, fuck it. Like this is too complicated. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or, or if you don't know if it takes you every time two hours to set up a portal, you're like, fuck it. Or, or I don't know, like if you can't be relaxed because you're always so afraid to fall and lift the heights, then you can climb, you know? So I think that's the key actually to succeed. It's not very specific training, like, you know, climbing a lot in a day or whatever. It's really more like dealing with the, all the things that goes with. Yeah. Yeah. That makes perfect sense. That makes perfect sense. What about when you were, I mean, I know you have a background with competitions and you had a, at least a chapter in your life when you climbed more indoors and did some more structured indoor training. Um, what would you do to try to level up for harder outdoor climbs? Um, you know, Helix comes to mind, this 8C plus that you did, this two for one. Was your, you know, quote, training just more rock climbing? I, I know yeah. you, you moved in that direction and you love to be outside as much as possible. Or did you do anything else to try to level up your climbing along the way? No, that's actually the thing. When I say like I train a lot, is like I climb a lot. Mm. Like seriously, like I never trained. Like I, maybe two times in my life, I was hanging on a hangboard or <laughs> fingerboard or whatever. It's like, what the hell? This is not for me. <laughs> Uh, or I climb in a gym, like I do building. This is to me, uh, training, um, anything else. I'm not a big fan of it because I had like the opportunity to dedicate so much time or so many days per week to climbing, to the actual climbing that, that I, that it, there was no necessity, necessity to uh, do another training. I always liked to be in the mountains. So I always did like hikes in the mountains or little runs or whatever, you know, skiing. So I think physically I always was like kind of fit, you know, I'm, I'm a fit person in general, mm. I love being outdoors and like, you know, jumping around or whatever. It's, it's, I, I just, I really like it. Um, so I never felt, felt the need to do more, more than that. Uh, I was super, when I did the competitions, I came, as I told you, like I was 17 when I did my first route, Red Point. And so that was also the time where I started to do a little bit like gym climbing. And so you can imagine like how bad I was on like plastic holes coming from the mountaineer background. So I was super bad. And I felt super lonely on those competitions, you know, the Swiss team, the, the spirit wasn't really healthy and everything was like concurrence and like whatever. And she's better and he's better, whatever. So I really did not like the, the, the atmosphere. Mm. I mean, it was exciting to do some workups and doing the travel around. And at that partner, I was dating Cedric and he did really well. He performed really well. So it was nice also to be there and to, to, to support him or so, but it has never been like my word. Yeah. And I mean, in general, like for Helix, I was just, I remember that spring I did 
so many ATs, just like first go, second go, third go. You know, it was just like it felt like easy. Wow. And then I felt like fit to do to do. Yeah. Wow. And it and then it took me like two trips to do it, like really a few times. Ah, oh, amazing. The thing is also like I think there's people they really like routine. They really like to go back to the same place, to know the route, to know exactly every detail. And I hate it. Like mm. I hate it. I really love like climbing on site or tr- giving it a few tries to optimize things. But I hate it waiting for good conditions. I, I, and it's just, it feels boring to me to, to go back and go back and go back. This is also why I never pushed like further, like my sport climbing level or mm. I was just losing interest. I mean, I tried two times to climb a 9A, but um, I was just losing interest because it was too, too repetitive. Mm. Just like, oh, fuck it. That's not for me. I want to be in a wall. <laughs> I was going to ask, do you think the side of your truck, the wall on the side of your truck, is the most time you've spent on an artificial wall? No, no, no. No, no, no. I I spent 10 years of my life lifting Grenoble, and we had two really good uh, boulder gyms there. So I climbed a lot in, like, boulder gyms, and okay. I know what plastic is. Okay, okay. Yeah. <laughs> especially you know when you grew up in the alps like winter you go skiing oh sure yeah you go skiing and you do a little bit of tree climbing and of course you can always go and do in a weekend trips to the south or do a week in the south but i really like the snow so of course i know what plastic is (laughs) (laughs) nina this has been amazing this has been amazing thank you yeah so so fun. fun to get to know you a bit and um yeah, just thanks for sharing everything. It's so refreshing and I guess inspiring to just hear about this chapter of your life and this recent transition and just to hear uh, how you've softened. I'm excited for you. Yeah, congratulations again on the child in uh, in the oven, the bun in the oven, mm-hmm. as it were. Um, Don't talk about it, okay? It's too early. <laughs> <laughs> it's too early. Okay. I'll wait. You, you have to wait at least like one more month. Okay. <laughs> if not you have to choose answer b or and what was it answer a <laughs> one more month okay yeah. fair enough we keep it as a secret right, right. now yeah. yeah okay but yeah i think uh, thank you steven that's you ha- fun you have a fire to get to and uh i have i need to There's go climbing playing all right yeah amazing thank you so much and let me know once it's online and yeah, if you have some additional questions or so just feel free to ask okay all right. All right. Ciao, ciao. Ciao, ciao. ciao. <laughs> Bye. Like we do it.